Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My guest today is Ronnie Khan, the founder of Oz Harvest, which is a food rescue organization founded in 2004. Fast forward 14 years, Oz Harvest is now operating in five continents around the globe. Oz Harvest has a simple mission of collecting quality excess food from commercial outlets and food donors and delivering it directly to more than 1,000 charities, which supports people in need across the country. I first met Ronnie five years ago when the Frost Collective worked with Oz Harvest team on their brand design. My team are incredibly fortunate to be exposed to Ronnie's commitment, resilience, and motivation. Welcome, Ronnie Khan, to Design Your Life. So a turning point for you in your life, when, when was that? I guess the first one was when I was six. Jeez, we're going way back. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it, but I'm okay, just going right. to say there have been a few. So that when I was six, my dad had an accident that intrinsically changed my family's life and in some way significantly changed mine. Mm-hmm. Then I left South Africa and that was a huge turning point. Then... You know, I left a couple of marriages and relationships and definitely one of those relationships was the, the, the light for me to live a more purposeful life. The catalyst for change. The catalyst for change. Is this the one that had a lot of money? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah. So, so that's interesting. I was bought book- for oh, a bit. Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. In hindsight, I realized that. I'd always lived... Um, very frugally in my first marriage. It was all about making money, trying to keep make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And and then I'd reached that point that actually my business was going well, so I left that marriage <laughs> and for a whole lot of reasons. And then met up with this guy who called me princess, felt good, yeah. and I was treated like a princess. And with all the fairy tale, the flying here and gifts from there. And it really was a complete contrast to my real life that I had lived up to that point. And it was really fun in the beginning. And the truth is, it felt good for a while. And then actually, my values kicked in. I started thinking about, wow, this is cool. If we've got all this money, let's start doing some good. And he actually didn't really believe in good. And the truth is I don't actually and will never know if he actually had that money because by the time I left him, he suddenly said there was no money and not that we'd stopped living well, but suddenly there was no money. And I, and that was fine because by then I was one foot out the door. Mm. And that was my catalyst to say mm. what were my values. My values were about equality and about caring about people and community, and that's when I decided that actually I wanted to do something more significant. My my lightning bulb moment that activated that thought was when I was in South Africa and met up with my old friend Selma, who had been doing extraordinary things, and just really seeing and hearing the extraordinary things she was doing was, wow, this is what I need to do. I had already had the idea and notion of Oz Harvest, 
but that galvanized me into action. Because we saw your um, your wonderful film being launched last uh, two weeks ago, I think it was yeah. now, which is incredible. Um, and was this your this lady was your neighbor, wasn't she? Yep, she was my neighbor. She, Alan, who is now um, about to and is running South Africa Harvest, was my brother. My, I mean, he was when I was born. He was one. And we lived next door and they removed the fence from their pool so that we could oh. share the pool. So, I mean, that's how close we were. My godmother, really, I call her, even though we'd never had godparents. No, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. So I just, like, look at you and, I and you know, we meet up for coffees or teas and um, you've always got your wonderful um, keep cup. Um, and you're always very mindful of waste. There's nothing, you know, you just had the tea bag taken away and it's now being reused a few more times. Um, I very much yeah. respect that. I, it's incredibly, it's, it's kind of goes against our, our nature these days that we tend to, we've all grown up in a very disposable time. And it seems that it's now become highly topical, plastics, you know, Woolworths are a banned plastic bags now. Um, thank God. And, um, you know, people are banning straws and people are now thinking much more about it. And I, I think you have been a major uh, uh, part of instigator of that change. Yeah, I, I think so too. And that's on the one hand incredibly humbling, but incredibly um, it's just, you know, it's interesting. I was at the gym this morning and my I've got this gorgeous trainer who happens to be gorgeous. Oh, my God. But he also happens to be very insightful. No, not at all. Not at all. And we were talking about that very word doing. And, you know, most people are out trying to get a job, but in fact we should be doing a job. We should be doing a job because it's much bigger. There's so much more to doing than there is to getting. And it's about resilience and curiosity. So you, mm. our challenge today with this very disposable society that we live in is actually shifting behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's really, if, if I face a challenge today, it's the campaign we've just launched, which really is about asking consumers, asking all of us, because it's all of us, whether we run supermarkets or whether we farmers or whether we run businesses, to shift our behavior because for the since the Second World War and after the Depression, as more and more consumable goods have come in front of us, we've lost the value of things mm. from food to the fact that now even if you want to, it's very hard to fix a washing machine yeah. or fix a mix master. I mean, my mother had a mix master for 25 years when it broke, she took it to someone and they replaced the piece. Yeah. She didn't go out and buy a new one. And well, so, th- yeah, things were designed to last. Things that were designed well. exactly. They're now almost designed to actually. They designed fall apart. not to exactly. Yeah. So we, so the, you know, we all have to actually change our behaviour, and so it does take an effort to do that, and it takes consciousness and mindfulness, yeah. and so changing people. Twisting that dial is extraordinarily challenging, but what keeps me awake at night? Yeah. 
And I can see that in people, when you talk to people, um, that people are, I'm not saying they're numb, but their senses aren't open to the very thing that you're talking about because it's like it's not until you say, hey, that's a plastic straw. They go, oh, yeah. Why do we have plastic straws? They don't, almost people like are not actually aware of, they need someone like you and you're doing a phenomenal job at telling everybody, the world, um, that this is not right and this is how we should be. And people are seem to be more and more susceptible to that. Um, Look, they are, but it's a slow burn because yeah. we <clears throat> we have to step out of our comfort zone to do that. I mean, it's easier to drink a smoothie with a straw because we've been we've been accustomed to getting a straw with our smoothie and. Maybe early on it was paper, then plastic was invented. So then yeah. we got plastic straws and a Coca-Cola ad had a straw in it. We won't even go there talking about the content, but we're talking about the imagery, the way that marketing, you know, works. I, I just watched an, an extraordinary little video clip and I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's about diamonds. Apparently... After the Second World War, and up until then, a diamond engagement ring was absolutely not a covetable thing. Nobody thought about it. And somebody created a marketing campaign all around a man having to pay, a, to, to show the worth of a woman, he should be paying a month of his salary on an engagement ring. I mean, if you just think about the marketing campaign mm-hmm. that now has made diamonds what they are and every person covets diamonds, mm-hmm. it's we've been – so to undo that mm. because now we know that the people who mine diamonds are kids and it's so detrimental to people's lives. Yeah. But now you have to shift and change that behavior. It's very hard because we like sparkly things on our finger is or whatever diamond? it is. I've got my grandmother's diamond, okay, right. actually. Okay. Mm. It um, was never an engagement ring. <laughs> wasn't it? Well, it became it, but it was from my grandmother. Nobody bought me an engagement ring. <laughs> but look how long it's lasted. That's a beautiful yeah. thing, too, that it's designed yeah. to last. It's not yeah. kind of falling apart. But that's apart. that whole thing. And, and so now we have to value handmade objects again. We have to value the craftsmanship of of things and what it takes to grow fruit and vegetables and to grow an animal mm. and not just eat, you know, the pieces that of an animal that we've been pushed. So it's now training people to eat from, you know, nose to tail. And yeah. whilst there is a movement and whilst there definitely are people and that whole, you know, veganism is the new the new best thing, which is the fastest growing um, trend, which is amazing. Let's hope it's not a trend. I think it's... Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that it really is a movement and it seems to be plant-based, but it's, you know, we we work very hard to shift that because you're working against a, a tide, a tidal wave of money being thrown at actually making products that are cheap and nasty. Mm. I remember it's funny, I just had a visual came into my head, as I often do. It, it's sort of, I remember as a kid, I was living in Canada, and we'd go back to see my grandparents in England, and I'd, 
I'd be up early in the morning as a young kid does out in the street playing, and there'd be this this little electric cart, milk cart that came around, clinking, you know, yeah, silence like but bottles. clinking. Yeah, and there's like bottles of milk, uh, yeah. glass bottles. Yeah, with a little That's metal how I grew top. Up. Like yeah. it's interesting that that was a solution. Not only was it delivering milk, recycled bottles, but it was like totally. electric cart for totally. for the sound, but also Absolutely. for the environment. It's such a it's so bizarre how we had it had something so right in the um, in the beginning. Like, a- but off. absolutely, no. it's exactly that. And then somebody invented the cartons and the plastic, plastic bags, and yeah. and now we have to undo that. And it's and now we have about fifty million options of milk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and all in plastic bags. And people look at the date and reach to the back of the supermarket to get the one that's dated the least. So yeah. they waste the top four. Mm. Yeah. So we, you know, we we've even lost that intrinsic ability to taste where the milk is off or not. Mm. We rely on a stamp that says "used by," and so one of the biggest reasons of waste is people pick up that carton, mm. yogurt, milk, anything that's dated, and throw it away on the date without even checking. What do you think? Because obviously we come from in the times today where we're all kind of have incredibly busy lives. You know, it's just our lives are busy. Our lives are. Uh, in a way, very materialistic to how they used to be in the past. We kind of moved, shifted from, you know, living on the land, working on the land, et cetera, you know, finding our food and all that, to having everything at our fingertips. Technology has, has changed us. We've become addicted to the phones, to technology. It's all about making our lives easier. I mean, I, I don't think I'm any happier for that. No, and the interesting sort of the one of the other topics that came up this morning was busyness how it seems to be that there is something really cool about saying how busy we are. Yeah. Well, we are so busy that God knows what people are busy with, but it's certainly not busy with effective either structure in a day and it's certainly not being constructive to making a better place or a better world. Mm. So we definitely seem to have got lost. We lost our t- we're We've disconnected lost, to yeah. the earth and we're, ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and no. having said that, probably the people that listen to your podcast are those that have already, you know, are the converted, and that's always the challenge because we keep this certainly is a movement to change, and you're a vanguard of one part of that, and I am, and the challenge is to reach the people who who aren't thinking yet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you know? they're thinking, but they're not. Um, well, they, they're not aware. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, I want to talk about resilience because I've never met anybody like you. I'm not just saying that flattering you because you're on my podcast, but I, yeah. I, I see you every time I see you, you're a whirlwind. Uh, you don't like people who say no. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I know I've said no a few times, or I know maybe and I haven't said no. And you're still here. <laughs> no, but I think I've maybe said maybe, not no. I'm not. I wouldn't be bold enough to say no to you. Um, but you just keep pushing through. And, you know, you, you're just yeah. like, you. I never met anyone so determined. I wish you were running this country. <laughs> I wish you were running the world. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the, thing, the things that you've achieved in a relatively short period of time is quite phenomenal. Um, and I just want to, where is that coming from? There's something inside of you that's just got to, it seems you've got to fix, fix and change and improve. Mm, yeah. Uh, what is that? Um, look, I do think I had extraordinary role models in both my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I, yeah, so I, I, I do accredit some of my energy or my drive to them. I mean, when I mentioned that car accident, my father in that accident actually came out of it 
after two years in hospital with one stiff leg, one leg in a caliper. So it was useless, but the caliper was there to support that leg. He was an architect and he had a car repurposed so that he could drive. And at his eulogy, I suddenly realized that he was disabled. So he never considered himself a disabled person. Wow. Now, my mother during that whole rest of their lives was out there just making a living to support her three children, and I never, ever heard her complain, never, ever heard her not or see her not smile. So when she died, I thought, or when I was thinking about it, I kept thinking, well, that's where I got my energy from. But actually, I got an enormous lesson from my father. And I just think that, yeah, I, 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 I'm just motivated by what is possible, and that is what drives me. And, and so and when I is possible, isn't it? anything, the only thing that limits us is ourselves, yeah. really. And when you truly understand that and believe that, but I, I think I've left out a piece that I think is important and. I'm, I think you may know this or may not, but I'm talking much more about it now because I think it's really important. So 15 years ago is actually when I started Oz Harvest. And shortly after I started Oz Harvest, I was introduced to a spiritual teacher who has been my guide ever since. And the lesson I've learned through my teacher and guru is that really I am here to serve a purpose and I am here to do good. So actually I am embodying just a much bigger a much bigger force. And this isn't about religion, but it is about spirituality. When you have hope and and purpose and understand that you are just a tiny piece of something and that you are part of the divine, whatever that might be and whatever it means for somebody else, then you are fueled in a way. So Oz Harvest is unique and extraordinary because I have been given this gift to do what I am supposed to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. I think what's wonderful is that you then attract you people who want to do good too because I think n people naturally want to do good but you, yeah. you've created the uh, the place and the the purpose for a lot of people to kind of get come along along with you to help make things happen it's yeah. incredible that human spirit what they can do yeah and people are looking for purpose a place that they can find purpose and meaning and engage with that and that in a way is one of the biggest roles of us harvest. Yeah. Not just what we do in the community, but it's all sides of the community. So, this one's going to ask also. I go back to resilience because you, you mentioned your your gym uh, gym started quite often now. So, how often do you, how often do you see this guy? So what else do you do? Because you know you're um, you know you're not going to get your energy from nowhere. It's no. something you got to keep feeding yourself. What, yeah. what is your what's your secret? <laughs> my secret is I I am deeply in love with my children and deeply in love with the people that are around me and that inspires me each and every day. I I in my head lately I do yoga 
I completely think I'm a yogi, but I haven't physically been doing yoga for a while. How, how long do these sessions take? <laughs> Depends. Do you think you think you think of the word yoga? What are you thinking about? I, I'm very mindful about my breathing, but you know, when yeah. I think that I'm doing yoga, I'm not physically doing yoga. Okay. <laughs> but I meditate every day, yeah. um, and I try and do as much exercise. You know, if if I have an opportunity, if 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 I come to an elevator, or I come to an escalator, and I come to stairs, I will always take the stairs. It's just, it's I would always rather do physical activity. Um, and I think that clearly those endorphins, I got lots of those endorphins, but I, I do recognize that I have an enormous amount of energy that is hard for most people to keep up with, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's an unlimited source mm. and it seems to be bountiful and I acknowledge it, recognize it, thank it, nurture it. Surely there's days you just go, I can't get out of bed or but I can't my, do another flight. I can't do a, another presentation. But then I'm filled with such gratitude. So I think okay. I think another definite element is gratitude because when you are grateful, so really I, I am a little weary. I've been on tour for the last two and a half weeks. The film launched in Sydney and, and I've been around the country to every sort of town and not every, but to a lot of cities and places I'm showcasing and doing Q&A with the film. And it's quite grueling. It's beautiful. But what and what a gift and what an extraordinary experience to have. And so I kind of tap back into that, the gratefulness and the and and that then fuels the capacity and ability to do it. And yeah, there are days. I've, there are never days that I wake up and don't want to go to work. Not I have not had a single one of those days in the last fourteen wow, years. Incredible. But there might be days that it would be awesome just to go quietly. And sometimes I can have that, but not very often. Okay. Well, you know, we've talked about a lot uh, of, mm. of from from the past and and where you are today. What does the next five years look like for you? You know. I, I don't really plan that much in advance. In terms of Oz Harvest, I absolutely know where we need to get to, and that is we're committed to halving food waste, if not more. We're committed to minimizing homelessness, hunger for vulnerable people. And the truth is I'm completely committed to doing that all the time I'm useful in it, and I'm really committed to shifting the behavior first and foremost, of Australians, and that's what we've got to do in the next five years. I'm not looking to go overseas necessarily. I'm, I never set up Oz Harvest to build a global food rescue organisation, but if we have a model that is duplicable, replicable and useful and there are countries that feel they can learn from us and we can teach, then we will go. So I'm not out there looking for other countries to grow to. Right here in Australia, we have enough challenges to deal with. Obviously, the whole notion of succession keeps coming up and I'm looking and and don't yet know who that will be, but I'm sure that when the right time comes, they'll pop up. And when my board says it's time for me to go, if I haven't recognised that already, I will move on. In the book, when I interviewed you, you said, um, we talked about yes versus no. 
Um, and you said the word yes is a little bit bigger than no, which I love, but so much more powerful. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I think it's just so much easier and quicker to say, oh, no, that's too hard or too this. So that really I try not, I mean, I really try not to use the negative in any of our marketing. You know, even in a sentence sometimes, you know, how you you use the negative to stress the positive sometimes, Mm -hmm. I always would rather stress the positive. So for me, really, yes, is that moving forward word. And I think that when people say no, maybe they don't really understand what they've just blocked out, yeah. which is why I think I persevere so much to say, but are you sure that's what you really mean? Yeah, yeah. And try and do it in a way that's not the most confronting, but clearly there are many people, since the message I keep getting is people find it hard to say no to me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think that hopefully they ultimately believe it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. You've been asked this time and time again, but anyone who's listening, how can what what can they do in their lives to, um, to help contribute to making a positive impact on the earth? Yeah, I think that there's a really simple, a really simple little thing they can do and think about doing good for somebody else. And I know that sounds simple, but if I've parked in a car space and I've paid for a parking time and there's 20 minutes left or half an hour left, as I'm about to pull out of my parking, I kind of always wait to see if someone's going to come in. And then I jump out and give them my ticket. Now, that's not a big deal, but you should see how people smile when they get that because they might have only needed 20 minutes. So all I think is, I think instead of looking inside all the time and saying, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Just start actually doing tiny little acts of goodness, tiny. Not everybody has to start a charity. Seriously, I, I just lucked out in the right place at the right time and took the right action. Now, I don't say that that I was lucky. I took that action. So, you know, when people have said to me, oh, you were just in the right place in the right time, that isn't true. Nah. But it is about taking action. Yeah. And so if you're going to work and you don't love your work, first of all, you've got to love what you do. It's yeah. too much part of our day. Mm-hmm. So be brave and courageous and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to find something that fills my heart that will then also fill my pocket. Yeah. And it's scary to do that because we all – don't want to go out on a limb, but sometimes that's what we have to do. And do you think after all this conversation, have you designed don't, – so don't say you have just because it's Design Your Life podcast. Yeah. But have you designed your life? My previous guest said it's bullshit, so I'm happy if you um, oh, are controversial. No. I totally am aware every single day of, of the fact that the way I live my life now is conscious. And if you're not conscious – and I think that consciousness therefore translate into designing one's life. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever put the two together, so I've never said I've designed my life. Mm-hmm. But now that you've asked me, I completely believe that my consciousness about the kind of life I want to live means that I have and constantly, consciously designed my life. Ronnie, thank you so much. Um, It's been wonderful uh, catching up with you again. It's been my pleasure and my privilege. 
Thank you. Cool, thank you. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective.